I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Rays lose game one of the American League Divisional Series 9-3 to the Yankees. The Brox Bombers hit four home runs, including a grand slam by Giancarlo Stanton, Blake Snell, not good in this one, falling behind hitters, allowing home runs to the 8th and ninth batters. Tough one for the Rays, and they fall down to that series uh, 1-0. The Bucks began preparations for their Thursday night game at Chicago, but who's going to be healthy enough to play? No Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, of course, who's lost for the season, Leonard Fournette, Shady McCoy. Nobody practiced in that there was a practice because it was mostly a walkthrough. We'll update those injuries for you later today, and we'll tell you, about the player they call Sneaks. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, who's got the best party platters for your catering in Tampa Bay? Well, that's easy. It's Mr. Empanada. What the heck is an empanada? Well, you take your favorite foods and you place them inside a pocket of homemade dough that is cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Their empanadas are a fresh twist on some old favorites. You can order delicious menu items made from scratch, including soups, salads, and Cuban sandwiches online at MrEmpanada.com, or you can call any of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. All right, Steve, uh, we will uh, start with the Rays, which, listen, I had... uh, High hopes for Blake Snell because of his last outing. He's been up and down, in my opinion, kind of all year, particularly with his control falling behind hitters, and, and he kind of started down that route. But the big the big problem was the home run ball. Um, you know, not only did he give it up to uh, the Yankees, but, but it was their eight and nine hitters in particular when you when you give up home runs, you know, to, to that part of the order. I mean, look, the Yankees are – are healthy again. I mean, you've got Aaron Judge, you've got Giancarlo Stanton, who hit a grand slam to put this game away late in the ball game. Um, but but Snell did what what I I just get annoyed by the way he pitches because you know he doesn't get ahead of hitters. Um, you know he'll spike a bunch of curve balls. He's two zero on every count. He burns himself out through the first two innings with about forty something pitches, and you look up and and you know and then the home run ball got him and. It's just you against this lineup. You cannot be, you know, two and zero, three and one, walking guys. I mean, they needed him to be an ace in game one because, frankly, that was a game they should have won three to two. I mean, you're going against Garrett Cole, who's going to dominate most lineups, and he has dominated the Rays. But you know, they got they got some big home runs uh, off of him, you know, and including one by G Man Choi, who absolutely owns him. And it and that that should have been enough in a game when you have your ace on the mound and your and your bullpen ready to go. Well, what's disappointing is you know so G Man Choi hits that home run in the bottom of the fourth inning. It gives your ace a three to two lead, and then you give yeah. up two home runs the next half inning. You know, G Man gave you the lead, and you gave it up starting yeah. with the home run to what? Uh, 
Higashio, uh, I can't even pronounce his name. The catcher, probably. yeah. Yeah, the catcher. Number nine guy. Higashioka. Um, you, know, you gave it up to him first, and then, you know, if Judge hits one, okay, but you can't give the, to Frazier right. in the third inning and then Higashioka in, in the fifth inning. You just, you can't, you're the ace of the staff. You can't do that. And, you know, your team gives you a lead. Yeah. This isn't Yankee Stadium with the short porch. I mean, Petco Field's no. a pretty fair park once they moved the fences in about seven, eight years ago. Um, but right. it's disappointing to see Blake Snell 84 pitches through five innings. That, that's not good enough. And I realize the Yankees are no. it's a good lineup, and they're going to work you. They're, I mean, that that's what they do. But your stuff right. is good enough. You shouldn't be going 84 pitches through five innings. Well, and they talked to Aaron Boone, and they said, you know, was your was your strategy to get his pitch count up? And, and his comment was pretty simple but but true. He says, no, we just wanted to make sure that he threw strikes. And, and, and it was more on Snell to be aggressive and prove to them that, you know, he was going to attack hitters as opposed to falling behind them. They weren't going to go up there. And they are patient to begin with. That's always sort of been their M.O. But they certainly against Snell knowing that he will burn himself out mm-hmm. in the early innings. At minimum, even if he were to pitch well, uh, very often, you know, he, he's not unable to get you to the sixth just because he throws so many pitches and he has so many walks and long counts and things like this. So they weren't going to go up there and help him by any means. Instead, mm-hmm. um, you know, against this lineup, uh, you know, you just can't be 2-0, and 3-1, 2-1 oh, and one, two and one, uh, against these hitters, uh, particularly now that everybody is kind of back and healthy and, and swinging the bats pretty well. So um, it's unfortunate. You know, they had some options. You know, there was some talk about how would the race set up their pitching, you know, but, but Snell's outing was, was, you know, so good. Um you know, in the uh, the earlier series against Toronto, that they decided to, to pretty much keep it the same, but they could have gone with Glass now. They could have gone with Charlie Morton. Um, instead, they they hand the ball to what's supposed to be their ace, and I I just think it's really disappointing because you know runs are going to be hard to come by. They have all year uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. They you know some some days they can string together a bunch of hits and and um, and score a bunch of runs, but for the most part. It's going to be pitching a defense that has to carry them in the postseason, and I, I just I going in I didn't have any confidence that Snell, you know, would have the kind of game that they needed back to back because he just hasn't been that consistent. So disappointing start for the Rays, and now you know it's three especially, out of five. Especially well, you got three runs off Garrett Cole. I mean, right? You know that. That's, I mean, if you can get three runs unhittable. off Garrett Cole, then you you should have a shot yeah. to win that game. And granted, you know, look, it was a four three game going to the ninth, and then John Curtis couldn't find it the was. strike zone to, for you know, he couldn't hit the broadside of the barn yeah. from the inside. I mean, he right. was he, he he was lost out there, and and you know, Kevin Cash had to kind of leave him out there and, and hung him out to dry because you're playing five straight games without a day off. You can't burn your A bullpen in that spot, you know, because he's given up, you no. know. You know, gave up the run to make it five three before that. You get the couple walks and a grand slam. You know, he was trying to get Curtis through that inning so he didn't have to waste another pitcher. And McClanahan ended up having to come in to relieve him anyway. Yeah, it was it was disappointing. And now, you know, the pressure really gets on on Tyler Glass. Now mm-hmm. he's got to go out there and be lights out. I mean, you obviously in, in a three out of five, he can't fall down two games to zero. I mean. You know, well, that's going to end although, the season for for the most part. Well, but well, I mean, let's look at the bright side of things. Don't forget, last year they fell down two games to zero to the Astros, rallied to win two in well, a row, and did. then took it to a game five. Which Glass now, if he's not tipping pitches, who knows how that thing ends up? But 
Well, maybe, or, but, but or but the Astros banging on drums, whichever, but or garbage cans. Yeah, but, but to try to win three in a row against mm-hmm. against a good ball club like the Yankees or last year's Astros team with the cheating or whatever the hell they had going on is still difficult. Well, no, it's and, difficult. But what know, I'm saying is, is is they've 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 come back from a two zero deficit to tie the series before. They just did this last year, so they have. They just didn't win it, right? <laughs> well, but what but what so, I'm saying, but that experience you draw from, it's because you lost game one doesn't mean the series yeah, is over. It's not is impossible. Yeah. I will I will grant you. I just think it, it puts a hell of a lot of pressure. You know, mm-hmm. on on your game two start. I mean, look, somebody had to win game one. I mean, it was either going to be the Rays or the Yankees. So, um, you know, it's not the series isn't over because of, of the way things went. But, um, you know, you you can't afford. You know, you come out if you come out in game two. Glass now gives you five or six really good innings. You get to your A bullpen. Um, you know, you 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 put up four or five runs. You get two or three run lead, even a one run lead. Maybe you. You know, you win the game and the series is tied, and everything everybody's you know getting the, what they expected, which is a, a closely contested series. I mean, look, just because the Rays dominated the Yankees during the regular season, I thought a lot of that was twisted, um, simply because how many of those games did they not have their big boppers in there? Well, sure. I mean, yeah, the Yankees were not healthy, although you know the Rays spent a lot of time not being healthy this season too. So you they know, the, this lineup, either, this yeah. lineup has is a lot deeper than when you face them. For most of this regular right. season, absolutely. But you know, I'll still go back to your ace is on the mound. You were given a lead at the end of the fourth inning, and you couldn't hold it the next half inning. And that's, you know, that's frustrating for a team. It's frustrating, I'm sure, for Blake as well. Um, you, you know, when you give your ace a lead, you want them to go down there and lock it down, and and particularly when you give up the home run to the catcher in the nine spot. I mean, that that's where you're going. Oh man! I mean, like I said, it's one thing if Judge goes up and hits a solo home run. Okay, I mean, right. you know, he's going to hit some home runs. That happens. It's it's the the batters that you're supposed to be able to get out that you don't that that'll frustrate you more than anything. It's, it's amazing to me because this is a close game and up up steps G Man Choi, who it's inexplicable, you know, why Garrett Cole cannot get him out. Forget about you know the home runs is one thing. He hit his third home run off of him. Um, which is incredible, but he can't get him out. And in fact, there came a, a, an inning later in the game where they had runners on first and third, got behind them two and zero, oh, and they just decided to walk them. They just said, "Let's load the bases. We don't care. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. pitch to this guy at two and zero. Oh. So he, he definitely owns Garrett Cole. Yep, and delivered. I mean, delivered a big home run. And the other frustrating part of tonight is so it's a four three game going to the ninth inning. And John Curtis is out there, and and you need him just to get through, not give up a run, or even if he gave up one, you're okay. The shame of it is in a five game series where you have no days off, so setting up your bullpen is very important. Is you're in a close game going to the ninth, and they didn't have to use their closer to win it because John Curtis nope. gives up five runs in the ninth, and now it's nine three, and Sessa comes in instead of Chapman, and so Chapman was not used tonight. Mm-hmm. And you know you want to go th- if, if you're going to lose a game. And especially when it's close late, you want to go through the Ray bullpen. Make them use them at least. You know, Britain sure. pitched the eighth and you know, but they didn't have to bring Chapman in the ninth. And that that's that could hurt the Rays down later in this series. Yeah, no doubt about it. They'll have to face him maybe multiple times now. And um yeah, you didn't you didn't make him work for it in the ninth, which you know, and there's bad blood with Chapman. You don't know, maybe emotionally he's a little off. He's a guy that's prone to be wild. 
um, you know, you'd like to like to get them out there and, and uh, at least make them pitch. But look, I mean, it's, it's best of five. It's not best of one. I don't mean to be, you know, Mr. Doom and gloom. I, I just I just wish that Blake Snell at times, particularly in big games, you know, pitch more like an ace. And, and I, you know, they want him to be. They're paying him that way. He's won a Cy Young Award. Um, you know, he has – he has this personality about him that's, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. He's kind of loose and, um, you know, he's fun and he plays video games and all of that. Um, but, you know, you just you just like to see him, you know, give it give you, you know, attack hitters more because his, mm-hmm. his stuff will play. It's so good. It's so good that it's too good, if that makes sense. It almost got, be better if pitches. he were a two-pitch pitch. He's got four pitches. Yeah, well, that's the problem. That's the problem, and they're all a, they're all wipeout pitches. But the mm-hmm. problem is, he wants to use them all, and and he does use them all, but he doesn't he doesn't attack hitters with the strikes. You know, I'd rather he I'd rather he cut it down if if he just threw fastball curveball, but he threw things. You know, he got attacked hitters and got ahead of them. He'd probably have more success. But then there here comes the changeup, and here comes the slide. I mean, you know, so they're all good. But if you're if you're behind two and zero, oh, it doesn't matter how hard you throw. At that point, you know, um, guys are going to sit on it. So I don't know. It, it wasn't wasn't his best outing, and, and you're right. He can't give up the home runs after they give you the lead three to two. You just simply can't go back out there and, and give them up to the ninth place hitters. So we'll see if the Rays bounce back. Um, again, best of five on the mound. You got a favorable, pi- yeah. You got a favorable pitch pitching. Well. You, got, you got Glass now tonight versus Davy Garcia. So you, right. you got a favorable pitching matchup favorite. tonight. So. You know, you hope you even yeah. the series one one. You know, you don't have to worry about crowds yeah. for home field advantage now. You know, games three no. and four, the Yankees will be the home team and bat last. But you know, all the other parts of home right. field advantage don't change. So you get this to one one tonight, yeah. then you know, then it's a best of three from there on out. Boy, for what was once called a hitter's park, and I know they've moved the fences in quite a bit several times, but those balls were flying. <laughs> well, no, Pe- Peco used to be a pitcher's um, park. It was you couldn't hit home runs. That's what I meant. Yeah, so they moved. Did I say it. I meant a pitcher's yep. park? Yep. It used to be one where you couldn't hit home right. runs. Now, oh my goodness! Statistically, it's, it's a pretty m- fair park. Blast. Yeah, statistically, it's a pretty yeah. fair park. As far as it really doesn't favor hitters or pitchers, it's kind of right down the middle there. So once they moved it in, yeah, I, I love that park. It's my second shorter. favorite ballpark. Oh, it's gorgeous. I love Seattle. I think Seattle is the most one of the most beautiful ones, but. Yeah, I thought it was Petco's okay. Right there I down. thought Seattle was okay. I didn't think it was great. Really? Yeah. So, what's your other one? P- uh, the, San Francisco. San Francisco is number one. And I guess part of yeah, okay. part of what I love the best. I love when you can sit behind home plate and look out and have a gorgeous view. And so yeah. many, so many of the parks. And, and look, when you have a retractable dome, a lot of that view is taken up by the roof part. Sure. You know, and that's part of Seattle. I mean, it was a nice park, but. You know, I love yeah. sitting in, in either, you know, San Diego or, or San Francisco. And, you know, you've just got beautiful views yeah. out the whole outfield. Like like Target Field, well, Minnesota yeah. is beautiful. But two-thirds of yeah. the outfield is built up three decks high because it was built on such a small footprint. Mm. And you got a nice view Can't down right much, field yeah. to the city. But the rest of it, it's a beautiful ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but I want – I want an open view. I don't want – I don't want to be looking in the outfield and see three layers of, you know, upper deck stands. You know, I grew up with that, and you know, going right. to Reds games at the old, you know, Riverfront Stadium. Sure, those cookie cutter ballparks. Yeah, yeah, there were football stadiums too. When you know, all you see is seats when you look out. You know, I want views. You know, That's if you're going to have a baseball only park, I want, I want beautiful views. I, I don't want to see stands. I want to see, 
you know, skylines or, you know, city or what, you know, whatever the view is there. You know, that's why, you know, if you build yeah. it in Al Lang properly, it could be gorgeous. It'd be um, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You love the water. I mean, there is a few on the water, obviously, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh's you know, got the great Maca- views. That's to, a great to look part. out over, yeah, you look out over San Francisco Bay and, and McCovey Cove and all of that, it's, it's pretty spectacular um, for sure. But San, uh, San Diego is very nice as well. So um, the Rays are down one game to nothing. We'll see how they fare. Um, meanwhile, uh, some NFL news. We'll get to the Bucks here in just a minute. Bill O'Brien, Billy O, Billy O.B., or Bob as they call him, uh, fired by the Houston Texans after uh, starting 0-4 this year. Of course, they also fired the GM, who is Bill O'Brien. Yeah, well, perhaps they should have uh, fired really, him before he wonder, traded DeAndre Hopkins. Well, exactly. And I, exactly right. I'm wondering if Bill O'Brien, the GM, actually is the one who let down Bill O'Brien, the head coach. <laughs> and therefore, the GM had to go. And so you had to fire the coach with him as well. I wonder if you could have fired if one and kept sense. the other. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you certainly might have been a little weird to keep the – well, you could have kept him as a GM, although I think he's worse at that than he was as a head coach. You know, O'Brien's an interesting character. I mean, look, he has the Tony Dungy record of making the playoffs four out of six years and then being given a copy of the home game, you know, like see you later. Um, But before that, and he did it with, you know, quarterbacks you and I have never heard of. I mean, now he has obviously, uh, you know, a a great quarterback, I think, in in Deshaun Watson. But, um, you know, prior to that, he was winning division titles with, you know, Brock Osweiler and stuff. TJ Yates and um, (laughs) – Yeah, exactly. I mean, every year it was, you know, somebody else. And I I think he's a good coach. I know he's a good human being for the Mm -hmm. most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he got a little power hungry and they gave it to him. I mean, they turned over the, the, you know, the GM ship to him. And, you know, when you start trading guys, like you said, DeAndre Hopkins and not getting great value for them, you feel like something might have been personal there. And that's the problem, you know, uh, coaches – should be you know should just be concerned with with coaching the players that that they're given and um in this case you know he could make a deal because he may have had a personality conflict with with Hopkins and um it just for whatever reason it didn't work out i mean but if you look at who they've played how many games do you think they should have won i mean they've played Kansas City Baltimore i mean every team they've played is is frankly better than they are you know and I'm not saying they should have lost them all or the way they lost well, them. Well, then blame your GM. Um, but then you blame the GM because the talent's no good. So, yeah, either way, uh, Bill O'Brien was going to get Bill O'Brien. It was interesting, you know, I listened to, um, as I do every Monday night, <laughs> Jim Gray here on Westwood One. We'll be talking to Larry Fitzgerald and Tom Brady, sponsored by Macy's. And so Tom Brady came on, and um, we asked him about Bill O'Brien, and, of course, Bill O'Brien was uh, quarterback's coach and then offensive coordinator. Those two went at it pretty hard on the sidelines a few times, if you remember, as well. Of course, this sort of Brady's personality, but um, they kind of went back and forth. And you know, Brady was was really kind of defensive. He was like, you know, I don't I don't understand. You know, four weeks ago, everybody starts the season hoping they can go sixteen and zero, and I know how much the players loved them, and and you know, I'm not sure the players did love them. I. I I don't know that he, you know, I'm sure maybe a few did, but but at the end, um, you know, just reading what some of my uh, colleagues had written down there, it felt like he lost the locker room a little bit. And, look, losing will do that, and trading away players will do that. 
You know, when you when you trade away a guy as productive and as popular as DeAndre Hopkins and it doesn't work out, you're going to get a lot of people looking at you sideways um, on that on that football team. Um, but I, I, I'm sure, you know, the the hard part about, you know, I don't know how many people had Bill O'Brien in the, you know, NFL coach firing pool as number one. I think you would have probably gotten him eventually, but Adam Gase might have been up there. Certainly after Monday night with the Atlanta Falcons, you know, being 0-4 Dan Quinn, you would think uh, his seat is pretty damn warm at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Lions. I think, Patricia. I think, yeah, I think Patricia and Bob Quinn, the GM, I think both are going to be out before the end of the season. I mean, there's there's talk up in Detroit, and I follow a lot of those those writers and stuff that you know they've already written it off as he'll be gone by the bye. Well, Dan Dan Orlovsky, who's gotten really popular on ESPN, you see him on Get Up. He just he just filleted him. I mean, because he he played on those Lions teams with Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell, whether you like him or not, as a head coach, um, and in some ways he was a little dungy esque too. But he he did turn around that franchise in as much as they had several winning seasons in a row. Matt, Matthew Stafford probably never played better. Um, it was a good, it was a good building, you know, to be in. It was a good organization. Players enjoyed playing for Caldwell. And of course they, they felt like they needed Patricia to get over the hump. And now Patricia is saying, well, look what it was like when I came in here, there was a lot of work to do. Well, yeah, but Patricia has had two years, so now whatever problems he has or whatever personnel moves and whatever belong to him and, and Quinn, and you know, um, you can't blame the other guy when you're the one pulling pulling the strings and you've won ten games, you know, in the time you've been there. So uh, I, I could see a change there. I will say this about the Atlanta Falcons situation because I know uh, that Rich McKay now uh, has been given, you know, more football operations type control. Uh, even over Thomas Dimitrov, the GM, and he's sort of running things on the football side again, um, you know, for Arthur Blank because he was president and now he's kind of back in on the football side. I know how Rich McKay thinks, and and it, I'm not saying that they won't fire Dan Quinn, but I know this is Rich's philosophy, and I don't think it's changed. His philosophy has always been it's a mistake to fire a coach during the season unless unless – the team just isn't responding. If they're not, you know, if they're not playing for the guy, if they're, you know, just making business decisions and, and things like this, obviously you got to make a move. But I didn't sense that the Atlanta Falcons aren't playing hard. I, I think they've got a lot of injuries, particularly in the secondary. Um, you know, they blew a bunch of games. And, and part of the reason they blew those leads uh, was because I think Dirk Cutter, you know, didn't help his defense by continuing to throw the ball when they were up 16. Um, and, you know, you could have shortened the game. You could have helped them out with field position, that sort of thing. He didn't do that. So they weren't playing complimentary football. Um, but Rich doesn't like firing guys during the regular season because he feels like all you're doing is the, the first thing that happens, okay, the very first thing that happens is, your assistant coaches, which do a hell of a lot of the work, right? They game plan, they write the scripts, um, they coach positions. First thing they do is start looking for new jobs because they know they're out, okay? So you've got, you know, 12 weeks to go, and you're going to make a coaching change. And every position coach in that building is looking for work because they all know they're fired too. And, and then you have – 
which which means you're not going to get better. You're going to get worse because these guys aren't spending as much time game planning as you think. And then you have the interim situation where, you know, if, if whomever you put in, in charge, if he wins, if if he has even a hot month, right, like in, uh, say, in December and goes, you know, 4-0, then all of a sudden there's the scream and, and you know, sort of, know emotion for this guy to suddenly be a candidate when normally he would never be a candidate he wouldn't be a guy you would look at and and so you know you you take somebody and you give them an opportunity and the next thing you know um you know everybody wants you to consider him so i i don't know as long as the falcons seem to be playing hard and they kind of do i mean look green bay is a very good football team um not many people win in lambeau whether there's fans there or not and, and clearly Atlanta didn't play great, but their defense is, is beat up. And so I'm now having said that by the time you guys put on this podcast in the morning, they'll say, and Dan Quinn, according to my sources, news out of Atlanta, Dan Quinn has been fired. So that's two coaches now, Bill O'Brien and Dan Quinn. So I don't know who you have in the pool. I, I would make, I would make Quinn kind of loud. I think that, I think the jets are at the point where they need to do something. Cause it seems to me like they're not responding to, to Adam Gase at all. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, I think Patricia and I think uh, Gates are probably the next two. I, I I agree that I think Quinn will last a little while longer. I, I just looked it up as you were talking to the Lions are on the buy now, so they could make the move this week if they wanted to. They could make the move now. Yeah, yeah so because they, they don't play this Sunday, so uh, if they want to make a yeah. move now, I don't. You know, I don't know what the options would be, and and you know, there's talk that it might be both the GM and the 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 uh, head coach going, just like in Houston, although that's the same person, but. So, you know, right. you know, and this year, you know, it's this year's so hard because you didn't have an offseason, you didn't have all that. Not that, you know, they're experienced coaches that are, you know, it's not their first year with the team, but you know, I just think there's so much yeah, this I year that a factor though. I think you need to consider that. I do. Yeah, so I think that's probably I mean, look what... part of the evaluation of your teams is, you know, the Falcons, okay? you know, are they playing for, for Quinn? Is it, you know, how are they responding this and, and knowing you didn't have an off season, knowing, you know, all that stuff. I, I think this year is so different that I'm not saying you can't fire someone in the season, but I think you have to look at all the factors around it, not just the record. Right. I mean, look at what is going on in the NFL. Cause we haven't really talked about this. Um, the New England Patriots, and none of this makes sense to me, by the way, Okay, so Cam Newton tests positive, right, for COVID. And they they supposedly do the tracing, and they have a couple of tests, even as late as, you know, they canceled, they, they postponed the game on Sunday. Late or early Monday morning, they, they were giving out, getting results back from some tests, second ones, and nobody else came back positive, okay? Um, and so they moved the game to Monday night, right? Uh, and 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 they made the Patriots fly day of game, which is something that people had talked about doing, but then the NFL said they weren't going to do it. But of course, you know, in this situation, they wanted to play the game, so you know, the New England Patriots were going to fly on Monday in the morning before the game. But but it wasn't. <laughs> this is where it goes sideways for me. So the guys who were, you know, sort of close to Cam Newton or the tracing would indicate they were around him more than others. They didn't fly on the same plane. They took two planes, which is common these days anyway because the league isn't allowing you to put more than 70 people on an airplane. And trust me, 
there's way more than 70 people that need to go to these games with all the equipment and coaches. I mean, hell, I think the Bucks have 40 coaches by themselves. They could fill up a plane with just the coaches. So they have to take two planes. But in this instance, um, one was leaving in Foxborough, and the other one that was leaving uh, was leaving out of Boston, but it was it was the the guys that had been around Cam Newton that you know that they needed to do some tracing with, and so they didn't want to mix. And yet, you're going to all come together on a football field in Kansas City and and start you know swapping spit and knocking the heck out of the Chiefs. I mean, so how safe are they, right? Um, so none of it makes sense, but. Yeah, I think, you know, this this is a weird year. It's it's hard to evaluate coaches um, you know, or players for that matter because and the Bucks have said this many times, you know, basically they're going into what would be their fourth preseason game. You know, they're just now sort of catching up to speed and and getting guys on the field. You know, you saw Keyshawn Vaughn get his first real action the other day. You know, by now he would have played in two or three preseason games and would be further down the line. And you know, COVID is a real deal and, and the disruptions are, are incredible. And, and I don't know how, you know, these guys go in. I mean, I get tested every day and, and believe me, it's, I'm not playing football, but it's a pain, you know, it, and not, not in the sense that they, you know, the, the test itself is, is not invasive, but, you know, basically, you know, you got to start your day, um, getting swabbed and, and, you know, um, go through all the, you know, the masks and, and all of that. And so football is not, it's not as fun as it used to be to say the very least. Um, but it's also hard, you know, it, it's hard to imagine that every team won't go through this at some point. The Tennessee Titans have had so many people test positive up there um, that I don't even know, you know, what tracing they can do at this point. But the word is with the Titans, and this is where, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do now as far as bringing in players. But the word is that they brought in a player from the outside. And, and there is no bubble. It's kind of a soft bubble, if you will. But they brought a player in that they worked out. Um, for him to get in the building, he had to test two days. Passed those tests. They brought him in. And he was the guy, allegedly, that had COVID and then spread it to all the other Tennessee Titans. Oh, I didn't know it was a player from the outside. I thought it was the guys that were hanging behind Mike Vrabel at the the draft this year. <laughs> it it could have been that dude that looked like he was sitting on the John, maybe. I don't know what was going on, what the hell was going on in the draft. But, yeah, if he brought them in, for sure, they might have been the ones that brought it. But it was it was a player I think they worked out. And because of that, how anxious are you? Like, you're the Buccaneers this week, right? And, and you may have Leonard Fournette. You may not. You're not going to have Shady McCoy. Uh, Ronald Jones, you know, had to carry the load. You got a rookie in Keyshawn Bond, but you're really down a running back. Um, you know, even uh, even uh, Kajan Barner, uh, who is a running back, doesn't carry the ball much, but a special teams guy, he's in concussion protocol. So all of a sudden, you have the need. But are you going to bring in somebody who, first of all, you couldn't get, you really couldn't get him in uniform um, before Wednesday because he's got to go through the protocol. Um, but much like the Tennessee, you know, maybe he does not show symptoms or he, he passes, you know, a couple of tests. And then once he gets in there, he realizes he, that he has COVID. I mean, it, it's a very, very tenuous thing. You want to keep that, you want to keep that bubble tight or whatever you want to call it. It's not really a true bubble, but, um, you know, and Bruce Arians was asked about that. Hey, you know what the NFL 
at some point may have to say, screw it, we're going to have to all go into a bubble. Each team will have its own hotel, et cetera. And Bruce was like, no, I, I don't I don't see how that would work. He says, you know, we've got well over 100 people when you start adding coaches and staff that would have to be there. And you're not just talking about a couple months. You know, you're talking about three or four and, you know, families and, and whatnot. So he's dead set against that. Um, but I, th- I think you're going to have more of this. And, I mean, the New England Patriots, so they fly two planes day of game, and they get there, and, you know, they they got to go up against one of the best teams, if not the best team in football, with Brian Hoyer as their starting quarterback. And they get beat, and it's not a secret that they were going to get beat. But, you know, and this is the thing, the NFL has threatened all kinds of fines, draft picks, you name it. Um, if your club is lax in its protocols and you end up, you know, being the team that causes a cancellation or a disruption in the season, the league is ready to hammer that that team. Well, I saw they, they find the Raiders they, they, uh, for some uh, players at an indoor event not wearing masks. Yes, they, they went to a charitable yeah. event, including Derek Carr, which is which is unbelievable that these guys would would you know go outside the building and and not at least um, wear masks and and not be around other people. So. It's it's a real problem, and I I think there's going to be more disruption. You know, they don't want to extend the season. Um, they don't want to add bye weeks and things like this. I don't know when the Super Bowl is going to be played. I suspect it'll be later than than what it's scheduled, but you know who knows. But we're here. You know, here we are after what four weeks, and you're starting to have all these problems with multiple teams now. Um, I just don't know how it how it ends up. You know, kind of going forward. Um, but you know, the Bucks have a Thursday night game and, and, uh, they got a lot of guys hurt and it's a short week. So you don't have much time to get guys, you know, healthy. If I had to guess, uh, you know, they pretty much said that Chris Godwin will be out again. Mike Evans turned his ankle. He got through the game, but we don't know, you know, the next day how that thing feels now, you know, they're not practicing cause you can't really do much physically. Um, they started getting treatment after the game early. And, you know, basically it's two days of walkthroughs, then you get on a plane and you try to do the best you can on Thursday night. You know, the, the reward is on the backside when you have, you know, kind of a mini bye week um, to get guys healthy and for guys to um, and to rest up. They can't go anywhere, as it turns out. You know, that's the other thing is that um, for players on bye weeks uh, or in these mini bye situations, they don't want them leaving. They won't, don't want them you know, you know, going out on the town or getting on a plane and going home or anything like that because they've got to come back and do the whole protocol stuff all over again. So um, they're going to keep them, you know, keep them around, but at least they'll get the rest and they'll get some guys back like Chris Godwin. But he'll be out for this game. Still waiting on the MRI from O.J. Howard. Looks like he has a ruptured Achilles, so he's lost for the season, which is tragic because he was playing so well in, in so many of his, you know, years here. It seems like every year usually late in the year something happens where he can't, you know, he can't play. Um, who else we got? Scotty Miller is still kind of nicked up, but we know he played. Justin Watson played hurt. And, um, you know, no Shady McCoy this week. I think he'll be out. So it, it's just – it's a lot of a lot of injuries on a short week that you've got to go to Chicago and try to find a way to get your fourth win because the schedule after that is pretty daunting. I mean, you come home – and play, you know, a 425 game against the Green Bay Packers, who look great, by the way. I mean, they just are on a roll ever since last year, actually. 
They were thirteen and three. So you got that game, and you know, and, and then um, then you got to go on the road. Uh, I think the Sunday night game um, in Oakland or not Oakland in Las Vegas against the Raiders. Uh, then you have a Monday night game at the Giants after that, and I think you come home for another Monday night game, um, maybe against uh, the Rams. It, it's just it, it's a it's it's a daunting schedule, you know, all the way through the month of October, and so you know you're going to have to try to do the best you can in Chicago. Now I'm not I'm not a big Nick Foles guy. Like I I don't I'm not a Trubisky guy either. Although I saw him throw five touchdown passes up there a few years ago, but I I think that Foles is one of those players, a little like Ryan Fitzpatrick, that is really really good in short spots, coming off the bench, spot starting things like that. Um, but I'm not sure he's going to get you through the entire season. And they made that move. The the one thing the Bucks don't have to worry about in Chicago with um, with Foles is that he's not going to run the football. You know, he's going to be in the pocket. Uh, Trubisky would make plays, you know, with his feet. Um, so there were some things, some other elements that you had to worry. They have a very good defense. It's going to be a tough game. And, it, and they're already a beat-up football team that has to travel. And when you're the road team, it's much harder on Thursday nights than obviously than if you're playing at home. But um, I, I don't know who they're going to have healthy. I, I, you know, I mean, it turns out that their young running back, their rookie Keyshawn Vaughn, um, may have a bigger role simply because, you know, they're, they're down to just a couple of running backs with Ronald Jones. You wonder what what if one of those guys get hurt, you know. Um, now, if Fournette comes back, and I think he will, then obviously, you know, You've got a little depth there. You can go with three running backs, and Vaughn, you know, can can play more of a of a third down role at times, or if somebody gets hurt like they did the other day. Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, everybody was down on him, and I just remember, you know, coming out of the draft, how much Jason Light uh, raved about this guy, and other apparently other teams raved about him too. He was a third round pick. Uh, obviously, they went with uh, Antoine Winfield in the second round. They could have gotten J.K. Dobbins or somebody like that. But they like Vaughn, but you forget that like he didn't even come to training camp because he was in COVID protocol. And then he said, you know, for the first I don't know couple weeks that he really didn't have his body back. You know that that virus took took a little bit of, of of starch out of him, and you know he's trying to learn the playbook and all of that. So he got off to such a slow start that people were starting to say, oh, this guy isn't very good. He's kind of a bust, you know. And and all he did was get in his playbook run the scout squad, um, you know, w- became active on Sundays. And then, you know what? Credit this guy that when his number was called in the biggest play of the year so far, Tom Brady had enough trust to throw him a pass out in the flat. And um, and he caught it and then, you know, dragged a guy in the end zone. It turns out to be the winning touchdown. So uh, it's a great start for him. He's a great story, um, you know, and uh, and we also found out that he has a nickname, and his nickname, and he wants people to call him this, which is kind of like Booger McFarland in a way. Um, wants them to call him uh, uh, Sneak. Sneak is his nickname, and his dad gave it to him apparently. Although there's some dispute about when or how early, but his dad, he says his dad gave it to him, called him Sneak, because he was always sneaking snacks, which makes me wonder why they didn't call him Snacks. But uh, he would go down and he would sneak. And what his favorite, and I love this, I mean, because this was my deal growing up. His favorite were the Little Debbies 
oatmeal uh, cookies with the cream inside. Oatmeal cream pies. Oh, oatmeal cream pies. Oh, absolutely. The cream pies. Oh, my God. They're so good. And all I could think of was my my youth when I was very, very young. My dad had a friend. and it was uh it was it was Johnny it was John Davis. I don't know if you know who Johnny Davis is, but his uh coach coached at, you know, a bunch of high schools, countryside and in CCC. He was a sheriff, um well known in this area. His dad was like a a sales executive for Little Debbie's and we would get he would bring us samples all the time. And uh, young Rick Stroud had a sweet tooth and I'm telling you um those those oatmeal cream pies I I live for those things, just live for them, and that was that's Keyshawn Vaughn's favorite little snack. So they called him they called him Sneak because he would sneak these these oatmeal cream pies out, and uh, and and so we started, um, you know, when we were writing about it, we were adding Little Debbie. I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a case of those headed our way at some point or Keyshawn's way. So I'm hoping to get a box or two, but um, but yeah. So when he scores the touchdown. Um, we were like, well, what did Brady do? You know, cause you can see they, you know, Brady always runs up and, and they embrace and he goes, Oh, you just told me, I love you sneak. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just kind of a weird, you know, Brady's got all the nicknames down, but, uh, but yeah, cool story for, for him getting in the end zone and being ready and having his number called. And you can always say, like you said, Hey, look, my first touchdown pass was from Tom Brady, you know, pretty amazing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And finally, we'll wrap it up with this. The NHL draft is tonight, but the the Lightning don't have any first-round picks, right? That's correct. So they actually had two first-round picks going into this year because last summer they traded J.T. Miller to the Canucks for their first-round draft pick. But at the trade deadline this past season, they used those two number-one picks plus Nolan Foote, another prospect, to get Barclay Goodrow and Blake Coleman. So the Lightning at this point do not have a pick in tonight's first round. Rounds two through seven will be held tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but so for the first round tonight, there is no – unless they make some trades. Now, Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic mentioned that uh, Tyler Johnson's camp has been contacted about uh, possibly coming off his full no-trade clause or if he would be open to a possible move. Um, his con- He's under contract for, I think, another four years. Uh, next year it becomes a modified no-trade clause where he has to give a list of – teams he's willing to be traded to but at this point he has a full no trade clause so not sure how that's going to go the lightning do have five restricted free agents from this year's team that they need to resign or would like to resign you've got eric chernak michael sergachev and anthony sorelli those are the three biggest ones carter verhege mitchell stevens also restricted free agents so um, they have I want to say $5.3 million in cap space and they only have 15 players on the roster out of when you normally mm. have 23. So they have, they're going to have to move some money. Kalorn is uh, 
the one contract that is not now has was a full no move clause or no trade, but now he has to submit a list. I think of sixteen teams that he's willing to be traded to, or at sixteen he isn't. I don't remember which way it is, but uh, so they could move Alex Kalorn, but they may be looking to move some others too. Uh, free agency for the NHL starts Friday at noon. Be lots of changes. I'd hate to see, you know, of course, both those guys, Kalorn and and mm-hmm. um, Tyler Johnson, have been such a big part of this organization or organization. Surprised that uh, that one or both have no trade clauses, but you know, um, look, this is this is like I mean, Julian Breesbaugh went all in, okay, mm-hmm. with the draft picks, with with bringing in the talent he did, mm-hmm. and you know what, he won the Stanley Cup, and and I. Whatever it takes, their core is still going to be intact. They're still going to have, mm-hmm. you know, Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov and Victor Hedman and, you know, Andre Vasilevsky and, and, you know, those guys. So I'm okay with it. Like, I'm I'm okay with whatever you do when you think that window is there and you go for it. I think that was the right move, and yep. clearly they got the cup. Well, and, and their their cap problems will get better after next season, presumably. Um, because more players move from a no trade to where you can move them. And, and look, it's not like if they get rid of Alex Kalorn or Tyler Johnson, it's not that they want to. They didn't want to get rid of JT Miller last summer, but they needed to clear some right, cap space right. to sign guys like Braden Point and others. So, you know, when you have to do that, you know, you have to make some tough decisions, and Miller had a contract you could move. So, you know, it, it's, you know, just like in the NFL and everything else, is, you know, when you win, that usually means you have lots of good players, and lots of good players want to get paid. All right, so uh, again, a very exciting uh, night tonight. We've got the Rays in Game 2. It'll be Tyler Glass now on the mound for the Rays. We'll see if they can even that series. And the Bucks will continue their preparations, of course, for their game. Thursday night in Chicago, we'll have a chance to talk to Tom Brady. Already coming up, Tom Brady will be on the uh, Zoom call, so we'll tell you what he has to say. In the meantime, hey, folks, uh, if you're looking for some uh, party platters, let me tell you where you need to go. The best party platters for catering in Tampa Bay, Mr. Empanada. Now, you want to ask, well, what's an empanada? Well, just take your favorite foods, place them inside a pocket of homemade dough. It's cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Their empanadas are a fresh twist on old favorites. You can order delicious menu items made from scratch, including their soups or salads or Cuban sandwiches. Or you can go online at MrEmpanada.com. Call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay where Latin food, quality, and service meet. It's Mr. Empanada. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.